0: It's Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. (laughs) One more hour to go here on Wes and Walker before we hand off the baton to the Kyle Bailey Show. Smoke Ludwig just being in here. Always giving him some hell, Wes.
2: I got you, man. He's he's got such a lovable face. Well, he's just a a lovable dude. Like, Smoke is great. That's what I'm saying. And
0: you can't let that man leave without calling Kevin Harvick overrated or without making some joke about Tony Stewart. You can't let that man live in his NASCAR heaven.
2: Yeah, I got to, you know, give him the business. Did you watch or log
0: The Clash this weekend? Did well, you do anything revolving that?
2: Uh, unfortunately, with my schedule, I'm I'm done at Fox, which I really hated. That that place definitely meant a lot to me, so I'm no okay. longer an employee there. But uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I did not get to see um, much of the class last night. There was so much on. I had a lot of stuff to watch, man. I tried to watch the Baltimore Ravens thirty for thirty, which I didn't like it because to me, did it, you watch it? I did, but in my opinion, it was no different than the America's game. The only thing that really was added to it was the death of Sarah Goosa because, you know, the America's game, I love those. You talk about something you can watch all day in the summer when there's nothing on. The America's games on NFL Network, I can watch them all day from beginning, starting with Super Bowl one champion all the way. So the Baltimore one had Ray Lewis, Sarah Goosa. I believe Rod Woodson and Brian Billick were the four people that talked on it. So it wasn't really much. I can't remember who I or was. it Shannon. I think Shannon was on there. I think it was Shannon, Ray. Dilfer. I can't remember the combination. You're talking about the, whole, the Just
0: the roster or, the, or some No, of the no, no. Oh, you, yeah. you never
2: watched the America's Games?
0: Uh, maybe not. No, I don't think. I thought you were just talking about the games with Baltimore.
2: No, no, no. America's Games, those are the documentaries that the NFL Network does on every Super Bowl champion, and they pick three players. Oh, okay. Plus- yeah. I- yeah, they pick okay, three no, players, seen, yes, and yes. the coach, and they talk about the season and uh-huh. different things. So to me, I didn't really glean much from it besides they added in the death of Syracusa at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, but I had to watch that. I had to watch BMF. I mean, there's so much stuff. Yeah, there there was a lot of stuff. So I, I didn't get around to the clash, but I did want to <laughs> check on it though.
0: Yeah, so uh, seven hundred four number said the clash was nothing but a train wreck. I did <laughs> see that, Fiddy. I know that you were kind of mad because you watched it. You checked it out a little bit. When watching the class
3: oh yeah me and flounder over at nascar, Brad's oh, hanging out. NASCAR oh. brad what's up? um well, we we left in the second half of the race because it took them an hour to run seven laps mm-hmm. so we actually got back to my house all right he got me he dropped me off and there was still 10 15 laps to go in the thing so i mean it was fun it's unique it's a great way to get you ready for the actual nascar season that so, makes me glad I'm not logging. If
2: they took that long to get through seven laps. Oh,
0: I mean, it, it sounds like one of the worst races you could do, oh. especially with the way that it just all played out from all of the commentary we've heard about it. Let's go back. Let's talk about North Carolina and Duke. We should be getting Joe Ovius on here in just a moment. Hopefully all right. we can get him on. Um, but with North Carolina, they lose to Duke, and we can dive into the game. We can talk about the free throws. People get mad about it for sure, and I get why, right? North Carolina shoots a lot more free throws on average. They only shot three the this game. My question is, do you view this as a bigger boost for Duke to get this victory against North Carolina, especially with the with the way things ended last year? Or do you view this as a bigger consequence for North Carolina now? what we're talking about them possibly being on the bubble. How do you view this?
2: I think it's a bigger consequence for North Carolina because you're talking about them losing two straight games. This was a team that was looking to bounce back after the loss that they took. I think for Duke, I think you just charge it to the game as far as the rivalry is concerned. To me, as I've always said, I think when two good teams play each other in a season, twice, they're going to split more than likely. So Duke mm-hmm. got the first yeah. one at home. And that's all I looked at it as from their end. But I do think they're starting to wake up a little bit. And then I think for Carolina, that loss did hurt because that made it two in a row compounding. All right, plenty
0: of storylines to get to. Who better to help us talk more about it than a man who was there himself? Joe Ovius of 99.9 The Fan in Raleigh, North Carolina, joins us now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Joe, can you tell us why the Tar Heels did not shoot 40 free throws in this game? and Did you have a problem with it?
1: Uh well I, I I didn't have a problem with it. What, uh, what what's going on, guys? Um, I mean, clearly Hubert Davis did. And look, man, I I am I don't want to go too hard on Hubert here because I, I think I think Coach Davis was doing an NBA thing, okay? And I know you know you guys in Charlotte and Walker, I know you're around the Hornets a lot. Um, NBA coaches do this all the time. They plant seeds, man. You know, like, they didn't like how a thing went. They pointed that stuff out. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you're Phil Jackson and you get your way. Other times you're not Phil Jackson and you don't get your way. So I think that's what Hubert Davis was doing. He was just kind of stepping up town, like, hey, look, guys, this is an abnormal thing. And it was an abnormal thing. You have to go to the record book. I know technically it happened back in 2021 against Michigan, but that was a blowout, and that's true context there. The last time Carolina had three free throws in a game, you got to go back to the 1910s when Carolina was playing the Lynchburg YMCA. (laughs) I don't even know. And I'm not making that up. That's actually in the record books. Lynchburg YMCA. I think it was 1950. But, so I I get where Hubert's going with this. However, the the issue that I had and the issue that I'm having with Carolina fans is you are not entitled to – a particular allotment of free throws. You're not entitled to that. You have to adjust based on how the games are being called. And if you have beef with consistency of ACC officiating right now, that's cool. I mean, I've been to plenty of games where it's one way one time and then it's another way another time. But you got to be able to adapt to the conditions of the game. Carolina, uh, Duke did, Carolina didn't. And it exposed a lot of issues that we've seen all season long with their inability to shoot consistently. And a team that doesn't look like it has the same chemistry that went on a hot run, that got to the final last
0: year. Well, and Joe, I was asking Wes about this. Do you view the outcome as a bigger boost for Duke to get this win? You know, they have a tremendous home record. Or do you view this as a bigger consequence for North Carolina losing sixty-three to fifty-seven? How how uh which way do you go when viewing it with those kind of dividers?
1: I, I look at it in the totality of what I saw on Saturday, uh, being at PNC Arena earlier in the day for NC State, Georgia Tech, and what I've seen out of the Wolfpack. And what I've seen out of Duke for a good chunk of the season. These are teams that have players that know their role. And they have, uh, they, they play together. With NC State, it's interesting to see Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner work in tandem, which you didn't see last year with Darian Sebron, right? Uh, DJ Burns is an absolute excellent, exciting piece that they added to the transfer portal. And then you have somebody like Casey Morsell, who's adapted to what his role truly is, And he'll hit a couple big shots for you in a game. Duke, and the story of their season has been injuries and John Shire working with the roster that he has. And he'll go starting lineup to starting lineup and change things out. In a game, he'll throw various lineups out there. The one consistency the Blue Devils have had is defense. They're not going to wow you scoring, but they're going to muck it up and make it difficult for you to score points. And I like my chances if I can shut you down or muck my way through a game. They've been in a lot of close games. Obviously, home court advantage has helped out this year. But they're getting Derek Lively to a point where he understands his role. They know they can win games if he produces like that. Eventually, they'll get Derek Whitehead back, although he's not going to be available tonight in their game against Miami. And Proctor showed up. You've got Jeremy. I mean, it's been a weird cycle of rosters this season. But what I've always been impressed by with Duke is they all understand what they need to do somewhere along the lines with Carolina they either forgot, or maybe we were just underappreciating just how much of the glue Brady manic was to their success when they went on that run last year, because it was not plug and play with Pete Nance. It's unfair to Pete Nance that people expected it to be plug and play. And there's some stubbornness with Hubert Davis of a lineup that's not producing and a team that doesn't look
2: like they're having a lot of fun playing basketball right now. Joe, West Bryan here. You touched on Derek Lively, and I've been critical of him this year, saying that he hasn't looked like a guy that's a number one overall player or a top five player from a class. But he had eight block shots Saturday during the game and 14 rebounds, both career highs for him. Over the last five games, he's been uh, eight rebounds and five Block shots only six points per game but do you feel like that he's starting to justify uh his lofty rankings coming in and what's been your view of him this season
1: i mean you got to give him the grace of being out of the lineup and not being at 100 percent and ramping up um i also have to remind people that not every class has zion you know uh, even Paolo Bancaro had his, his ups and downs last year. He wasn't necessarily the most complete player. So is he living up to the hype? Well, to your point, he, he's certainly not at the level that we've seen of, of other classes that have come through Duke. But not every five-star class is the same. You know, They're just relative to what group they're being compared to. So I, the way I kind of view this is he's, he's clearly got the skill set. But it's it's understanding what you can maximize. So I think, and who's the bus driver, as my co-host Joe Gillio likes to talk about as well, right? Whereas Paolo Bancaro was that guy last year. That's clearly not the case for Derek Lively, but he can still show you what he's got. I think Kyle is that guy who drives, especially since Jeremy Roach has been kind of up and down with injuries. So is he living up to that hype? Is he going to be wowing NBA scouts? Yeah, maybe not. Um, but for this team and what they need him to do, he certainly understands the assignment. And I think that's more important for what John Shire is trying to do this season.
2: And then you talked about Kyle Filipowski. I got a two part question for you here. So, over the last seven games, Filipowski's been 20 points and 11 boards. Do you see him as a guy that can take this team where they want to go, which is, you know, Final Four, National Championship type? Do you see him in that ACC player of the year type of vein? And then the second part, I was going to say, is Tyrese Proctor, with his recent play, with the way he's been able to assist the basketball light on turnovers, is he the point guard, or is he turning into the point guard that they need?
1: I think he's turning into that. So I'll start with, I'll start with Proctor. I think he's turning into that guy. It'll be a really interesting uh, run through February as things start to coalesce and we get a better idea of how they want to go through the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament. About Kyle Filipowski, Look, he's uh, the one thing that I thought was interesting on Saturday was Carolina clearly had an emphasis to, to question his toughness. Right, That this is a tough Duke team; they're physical with him. I like the fact that the referees let him play. I like a physical game. I want to see that stuff down low. They tried the big boy; and he saw him on the ground a couple times. He doesn't back down, man. Yeah, that's 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 been impressive from Kyle Filipowski, and he's probably their most consistent scorer. Uh, in in what he's able to do in stretch. He can sometimes be a defensive liability, but that's where the the switching of the lineups has come into play for John Shire. While you'll see, and John Shire being adapted too, right? Uh, That's why Derek Lively's, um, his improvement has been so key to the success that they had in in Saturday's game against Carolina because I don't know about you, if you saw Ryan Young all of what, four or six minutes that he played, I mean, Armando Baycott was going to just yam on him if he wanted to, (laughs) but Shire didn't stick with it. And he and and you know they they mix things up. So this is this is an interesting Duke team with a lot of interchangeable parts. But if they're going to go far for your question, yeah, then yes, Filipowski has to stay consistent scoring, and I and I've, I've liked what I've seen so far.
0: Joe Ovius is joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You know, Joe, you, you did help me, by the way, with some career advice on Twitter. I saw you tweet out. I don't know how long it was ago, but you tweeted out. It's important for personalities to attend the game as a fan, right? At least like yeah. once a year for some of these teams. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you didn't do that at Cameron Indoor, but you were there at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So How did the mood feel to you from the fans, given all that it ended last year with that loss that they suffered in Cameron Indoor and then, of course, in the NCAA tournament? Was the mood any different from the last time you attended?
1: Well, I'll say this. I did not like how Duke showed out for game day. Now, say what you want about game day, but given what had happened last year, I thought it was interesting that Carolina fans were able to, quote-unquote, infiltrate Cameron Indoor Stadium for a free event and show out for the ESPN uh, pregame show. But as far as the actual game is concerned, uh, that's probably the drunkest I've seen students in quite some time. <laughs> uh, they had two kids pulled out because of, quote-unquote, dehydration. I think we know what that code is, mm-hmm. given that we've all been in college at one point in time. So it's probably the drunkest. And, and I'll I'll bring up something that, Uh, my colleague Luke DeCock over at the News and Observer uh, brought up when I was talking to him at the stadium series ice reveal today at Carter-Finley Stadium. Um, You know, when you went to the game last year, it was about the ceremony of it all, the specialness, you know, seeing all of those players come back from Coach K. We're talking NBA pros, guys in the Hall of Fame, that kind of stuff, right? And, like, the weird scene that I saw between NBA commissioner Adam Silver and Jerry Seinfeld sitting next to each other. Like like, that's like an instant Seinfeld episode. You know, what's the deal with the commissioner and Jerry Seinfeld. So it was kind of a weird vibe. It wasn't necessarily a game and maybe that's why it played out the way that it did. This felt like a game. This, you know, people who are Cameron indoor stadium for this one, which I believe was probably the lowest secondary ticket market we've seen in this series for a while. They clearly wanted to be there to watch a high-level basketball game. I don't want to go full purist gatekeeping on you, but you wanted to be there to watch a basketball game, not the scene. And I think that's what helped make it a really loud, loud Cameron on Saturday and why you had students chucking things onto the court where they got warned twice. That was old school on Saturday night, and I enjoyed it.
2: Joe... Also, you're talking about the team in your backyard, NC State. They sit there right now, fourth in the ACC. Has the opinion of Coach Keats started to change around And Was also going to ask you, could they possibly have the best trio in the league with Burns, Smith, uh, and Joyner? And will those guys cancel each other out when you're talking about player of the year votes, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know. With State, it's tricky, man, you know, to, to – to quote my colleague Joe Giglio, you, you get you get burned by the law of the wolf all the time, man. You know when you expect the most out of the wolf pack, they're going to give you the least, and if you expect the least out of them, then they'll, they'll surprise you. So I, I like where NC State is uh, about Kevin Keats. I it's going to take more than just making the NCAA tournament. We're at the point with Kevin Keats where a lot of fans have made up their mind, and while I'm the first one to tell you that attendance at college events has been soft for several years and I don't want to get on fans for not going because it's expensive. I mean, I'll use PNC Arena as an example of this. Uh, To go see a bad Florida State team on a rainy Wednesday night is going to cost you 20 bucks to park. Upper level seats are expensive. They're not on a discount. So why am I going to waste my time doing that when I got a 70-inch television at home? I was surprised that a one o'clock game against Georgia Tech, even though Georgia Tech's bad, you, know, you want to go see DJ Burns in person. That was a bit of a soft crowd on Saturday. It's not going to be a soft crowd on the 19th when Carolina's here. That'll be your typical NC State Carolina kind of crowd. It'll be rowdy. It'll be a lot of fun to go to. It, it remains to be seen how fans will react to a long tournament run. I think what this year showed is that Kevin Keats probably should have made some changes to the coaching staff. A year ago, rather than this past season, you should have done it a year earlier. I think it also shows you the changing nature of college basketball, where the transfer portal will give us and take us. Uh, sometimes you get a couple guys and it works out. Sometimes you don't, and you just have to ride with that. So I think there's a little bit of apathy, given how things have gone the last couple of years. If I'm an NC State fan, what I would be worried about is Keats seeing the writing on the wall and then going somewhere else. So we'll see. You know, economics might play into him sticking around, but he might not want to stick around. You catch my drift?
0: All right, that's Joe Ovius of the OG and ninety nine nine, the fan of the Bodyworks Plus guest hotline. Follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Joe Ovius might help you with some career advice as well as he did Absolutely. with me. Joe, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks again for hopping on. Thanks, Joe. All right, take it easy, guys. Joe Ovi is talking about the North Carolina Duke game, also sprinkling in a little bit of NC State analysis. I want to get back to some of that because I thought that was an interesting point. Let's focus on the Wolfpack, talk about Kevin Keats, where he is in the minds of NC State fans. That's coming up on Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
1: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kisimta and check out the details at Kisimta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
2: Hush that fuss Okay The Western Walker Show is back Source Radio 92.7 WFNZ Hit us up Garage Door Guru Text line 704-570-9610 And uh, follow us on Twitter Walker, I forgot I got amnesia, man. Yeah, can no, spell it's, it's it not me? a big
0: deal. I know how to spell this. Okay. I'm really good. I read it at third grade level. You spell it this way, at W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L-K-E-R. Uh-huh. And if you put that in the search engine, then you can find us on You can Twitter.
2: find us. Come on, get the follows up, folks. We're trying to get to 1K. We want to start modest, okay? Let's, let's you know, just keep working our way up there. Hit that follow button. All right, so we just talked to Joe Ovius and he was talking about NC State and had some very um, surprising comments, I would say, about Kevin Keats and the job that he's done or lack thereof from the fans' perspective and said that uh, NCAA tournament appearance is not going to be enough and what's happening this season would not be enough possibly because he said the fans have made up their minds. Well, and
0: it's been a long time, you know, he – took over that job in 2017 and 2018. And there's been a lot of double-digit loss seasons. Yes. And after 11 and 21 last year, I thought that might be it. But that's that's the problem, right? If If you keep your job after a 20-loss season, okay, it's not like he was successful at NC State the previous four years that he was coaching there. And then you add on about 10 more losses than what that fan base is used to. This is already a fan base that has not experienced a whole lot of success over the last... Kevin key tenure, right? So if you're going to this next year, then it's going to take a little bit more. If you are trying to balance the scale and just get back to some level of equilibrium. Well, if you go 11 and 21, one year, then it might take a 19 and five start and then eventually parlay that into, I don't know, let's say they get to the semifinals of the conference tournament and then you get to the NCAA tournament and then you got to win a game in order to get back in the good graces. It makes sense to me. If you got 11 and 21 on one side of the scale, then it would take a second round appearance at least to balance that out. Right? Like it's interesting. We don't talk about it in that way, but it makes all the sense in the world when you start to really dig deep and say what allows you to be comfortable with Kevin Keats moving forward. And it probably would be nothing less than a second round appearance appearance in the big dance
2: yeah they have only lost uh they only lost one game in january but they got some big games coming up like i said tuesday is going to go a long way towards that fan perception i would think at number eight virginia now that's going to be a tall order going in there then they got uh in february in a couple of weeks you got north carolina wake clemson and duke for a finish so i think that's going to be tremendous uh, and determining how state fans feel about him going into the to the ACC tournament. And I think he's going to have to make some noise. Depending or with what he said, I mean, he's going to have to close out strong, go into the ACC tournament, and make plenty of noise. Pretty much make it to the Final Four, I would think. And then get into the tournament and, dare I say, Sweet 16?
0: Well, this is going to be, you know, with Mark Gottfried they would always underperform in the regular season. And then there were a couple of times where they got to the sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. So you would have a lot of talent because of various ways that Gottfried would get it. But nonetheless, you would have lots of talent underperform in the regular season, get to the big dance and then get to the sweet 16 where with Kevin Keats, if you have Terquavion Smith, Jarkel Joyner, and DJ Burns, who you just asked if there's any way he's playing himself into ACC POY, mm-hmm. if there's any way that he can do that, averaging just 12 a game now, but not after recently, I mean, he's been averaging like closer to like 16, 17. The mm-hmm. dude's been an absolute beast. If you talk about that trio having a first round exit, and then, you know, we're talking about an early exit in the ACC conference tournament as well then that's going to be a sour taste, even with you having the talent now. Like, think about how bad that would be after a successful regular season and then underperforming once you get to the postseason. Yeah, that'd be really tough for Wolfpack fans to
2: swallow. Well, I think the tricky part, too, for Keith is that with the nature of today's college basketball, can you continue your success? I don't know who's going to go. I don't know who's going to stay. We know Taquavion Smith more than likely is out of there. So you lose your key cog right there and you have to keep replenishing yourself through probably the transfer portal. Hopefully you can land some some freshmen. And that's an interesting part of uh, college basketball now too. how freshman recruiting, unless you're a top guy, the transfer portal has pretty much trumped that. Unless you buy your team, according to Jim right? Right. Correct. So (laughs) we can talk about that as well. But that's going to be a tricky part for Keats as well as far as replenishing his team through the transfer portal because that's what he did this year to flip uh, that roster on his head. I told you when I saw him in Amelia Island, that's what he said he would do. And he's done that. And yeah. So what about those comments from Jim Beheim? He comes out and it sounds like he's kind of making excuses as to why Syracuse isn't doing what a lot of people expect them to do. He comes out and says, Pitt, Wake Miami all bought teams. He sounded like Petey Bell at the end uh, of Blue Chips. The best players, money can buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's what Wake Forest is getting. Is
0: right, what he's accusing. Apparently, Jeff Capel was asked about that as well, and he said no comment. So Jeff Capel didn't say anything. Go did uh, did, did uh,
3: Jason Capel weigh in on the matter? I don't think so.
0: There wasn't a tweet. <laughs> he wasn't from-
3: offended by that, but a tweet got him out all in his feelings.
0: J- Jim Beheim <laughs> did not tweet it. If he would have tweeted it, maybe Jason wh- Capel made some comment. What do you expect comment.
2: from a team like Pitt to do, though? I mean, they're struggling. Jason Capel's job definitely, or Jeff Capel's job, was certainly on the line coming into this season, I think, without question. So what do you expect? Even if they did do that, who cares? And that's the thing about Beheim. That was crap to me. Then he says that's why Coach K got out. He said that's why Jay Wright got out because of the way college basketball is going. But the thing is, you can't use that as an excuse anymore. It's legal. It's legal, Jimmy.
0: Well, what's hilarious, too, about that specific comment is Jim Boeheim is in rarefied air. Not unique, but in rarefied air as far as how long he's been coaching. So it's funny to me that's the reason that Coach K got out. It's not the fact that he's been coaching forever. Right. It's not the fact, like, he didn't mention Roy Williams. Jay Wright, okay, maybe there's a point there. And I get it. I'm sure it had some kind of factoring in as to why Coach K decided to leave. There's no doubt about it. I understand it. Even Roy Williams, right? Like, Roy decided, you know what? I'm not going to coach this team. He did not do the farewell tour thing that Coach K did. But it's also funny to me where Jim Boeheim is saying that's why they got out, acting like he didn't coach you know, 70 years is what it felt like. Right. And so, yeah, well, so, hmm. so talking about, you know, Bayheim going to that, he can come back and coach all he wants to, and then it's a frustrating season. And remember, this was a really talented class that he brought in. And this was before they got that commitment from Judah Mintz, yeah. where until it was still a great class. And that's before they got a guy like Mintz that came aboard. And now it's, you know, still bubble territory for Syracuse that we're talking about.
2: And my thing is too, you know, why do you have the gall to say that now? Why didn't you say it back when it was illegal and you knew people were doing stuff? Like, why didn't you come out and say that? Oh, this this guy bought a team. That guy bought a team. Because I'd love to know what you did to get Carmelo Anthony because we know Carmelo wasn't just coming for uh, Syracuse's communications program. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I noticed some things were done to get Carmelo Anthony to Syracuse and you can't convince me otherwise. So, you, you know, to me, I just thought that that was just not – It was a moot point to me to say that in an era now where it's legal. I think you just have sour grapes because your class didn't turn out um, to be what it could be. Right. Well, yeah. And right. I mean, when you're talking about Joe uh, Jim Beheim
0: discussing if he's going to retire soon and you want to bash on college basketball saying that's why guys are leaving. But then you're like, well, yeah, I might come back. I mean, mean, leave if you want, man. I mean, you've been coaching forever. It's fine. And if you want to come back, then cool. But these are the rules.
2: This is what it is. And that's one I, of the problems, too. I mean, he's sitting there in the article talking about, I can do whatever I want to do. And this, that, and the third. Okay. And I'm like, I mean, great. Yeah. Fantastic.
0: <laughs> you know, go make a Final Four once every you know, 10 years. And, you know, that, that's just fine. <laughs> like, is there ever more? The dude is so frustrating. He really is. Because he does have a championship. There are not a lot of coaches out there that have a championship, and Mm -hmm. he gets his flowers for that. He gets to a Final Four appearance. He kind of salvaged some of this reputation the last, what, decade? Because he's able to get there as an 11 seed. Syracuse was a bubble team all the time. And then you get in as an 11 seed, and then they pull out this first-round upset. You know, they beat whatever is the – if they're an 11 seed, they play whatever 6 seed. If they're the 10, they play whatever 7, and then they make this run. And then they get to the final four, and it's like, great, man. Like, so now, misseeding, it's kind of flipped on its head where Jim Beheim did this great job. But we forget why they're the 11 seed in the first place. Just frustrating. Jim Beheim's a frustrating dude.
2: All right, so let's flip the page real quick. It's the beginning of the week. We got all week to dig more and more into this. But, of course, there's a game being played on Sunday, correct? Uh, Yes. You're talking about ACC basketball? Uh, No, I think it's a football game that's going to be played around 630. It'll (laughs) be a lot of commercials. We'll be eating good, chilling. Are the Niners in there? There you no, go. they're not. Our he, quarterback he, got hurt, unfortunately.
0: What's funny about Fiddy is he was looking at his phone, and then he heard us talking about this, and then he got a sense of urgency to turn on his mic, grab it, put it in position yeah. just to throw shade your
2: way. I know he did, man. It's okay. <laughs> I just throw it back out like Derek Lively did, eight Carolina shots. <laughs> so anyway, hey, uh, no. So what was interesting was that I saw over the weekend, and I said, I'm really going to monitor this. So, you know, they talked about scripts and the NFL being fixed right. and things like that, right? So apparently it came out, somebody was saying that the 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 game had already been leaked or whatever. But what was interesting is that the mm-hmm. page, it was dead on from Pro Football Reference.
0: There's a football reference page, right, that had yes. the exact score between these two yeah, teams. Yeah, it yeah. was the same record. So I yeah.
2: thought about it. I said, man, I'm going to screenshot this. And I said, if this thing goes exactly like this page, it has the Eagles winning 37 to 34. It has the Chiefs getting out to a 24-13 halftime lead before apparently a furious comeback uh, by the Philadelphia okay. Eagles to win the game 37-34. So I said, I'm going to be monitoring this. If the Chiefs go out and get up 13 nothing to start the game, or they get up 10 nothing and then they get out to a 24-13 halftime lead, I'm going to have some questions.
0: You know, people are going to be looking at Arian Foster saying, see, he was on to something. <laughs> this is this was absolutely true, what but, he was putting up."
2: But other than that, media night is tonight. I guess that's what you call it now. They don't call it yeah. media day anymore, media nights. They got stuff like this. So, How much of the pre-Super Bowl stuff do you get into? Do you watch any? And Fiddy, you could jump in on this too. Do you watch any of the... The stuff like tonight and some of the pre 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 stuff. Yeah.
0: Ooh, goodness gracious! I don't know about if I go back that far. Maybe four <laughs> pre's. Maybe yeah. I, maybe I do that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, man, I watch it because especially with teams that I'm interested in, I think this is an awesome matchup. Mm-hmm. I, I love what we're gonna get out of this Super Bowl. Love Jalen Hurts. I, that storyline is really interesting. We're talking about a guy that got benched on. A national championship stage and then the quarterback that took over for his job won said national championship with Alabama and then has to transfer and then is a second round pick and then there were a lot of people that were willing to give up on him you know people were out on Jalen Hurts being the starting QB for Philadelphia but that roster was always fantastic coming in I always thought highly of that um, roster coming into the season I had high expectations and yet here they are so you have the exact antithesis with Pat Mahomes being someone that comes in as a first-round pick and just sets the league on fire. As soon as he starts, you have the one year with Alex Smith, but as soon as he starts, wins MVP, throws 50 touchdown passes. There was no growing up. The dude was already grown up as soon as he stepped onto the NFL football field. So seeing the quarterbacks, the difference in stories there – Andy Reid going against his former team, Nick Sirianni having a bright offensive mind, but also you go out and you spend this offseason. You trade for A.J. Brown, right? You sure up that offensive line even more so. You have um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. You go after him. So I just I love the the matchup here with a lot of different philosophies as how they both got to this point, the highest stage in the NFL.
2: Yeah, and I can't wait to see this matchup in the trenches. You know, they talk about the pass block win rate for the Kansas City Chiefs and then the 70-plus sacks by the Philadelphia defense, I can't wait to see because to me that's going to be the key to the game because you know you talk about Patrick Mahomes and we look at him as the Michael Jordan of this sport, but I think he hasn't fully earned that reputation yet, but I think if he can get this Super Bowl win, I think that certainly will put him in that that boogeyman class, so to speak. He'd become two and one in Super Bowls, been to five straight AFC Championship games, and The Chiefs look like they won't be slowing down anytime soon with him at quarterback, not to mention the first matchup between two African-American quarterbacks uh, coming up in this and the youngest quarterback matchup ever as well. So there is a lot to like offense. I'm a big offensive guy. I just hope it doesn't turn into one of those games that you know when you go into it. And one thing is so obvious and stands out, like the fact that these two teams are so great offensively and then it turned out to be 16 to 14 or something like that
0: um we did have a text from conspiracy king and okay. he says weston walker that fake score was strategically done because a lot of people are saying it's fixed now and when the score doesn't live up to it people will see and say hey told you so it wasn't fixed what do you think about that conspiracy from Conspiracy king. So they're gonna himself. put that
2: out there because of what's been happening and what's been being said so that's then right.
0: it's a it's a it is a, a trail of breadcrumbs the opposite direction.
2: <laughs> so the NFX say, Hey, see, we told you mm-hmm. we're doing everything on the up and up here.
0: I like this from Conspiracy King. Yeah. It's a good one. Well yeah, Patrick Mahomes
2: doesn't jump on a fumble when it happens and maybe we yes. will yes. think yes. that um It's going to be reminiscent of Cam
0: Newton, is what I just guessed. 100%. (laughs) That would be it. That would uh, live up to the hype 100% as far as the conspiracies go.
2: All right. Well, no conspiracy here. We do have the Fitty Flash coming up. The last one of the day. Fitty, go ahead and flash this, my man.
3: (laughs) All right, Wes. uh, Some news coming out of the NFL. Former Bengals and Cardinals wide receiver A.J. Green did announce his retirement today from the NFL. Arguably the most... Consistent receiver, maybe in Bengals history. Not dominant, more not more dominant than Chad Ocho but uh, arguably more consistent. And then, speaking of the Super Bowl ahead of this Sunday's big game, the Chiefs have activated running back Clyde Edwards E. Lair. Oh? So, the, so they get another weapon in that backfield that I think is going to play a pivotal role in the final outcome on Sunday.
0: Yeah, it, it's actually. It, it's funny with Andy Reid. He's almost been the running back whisperer. You've had so many great performers, except Clyde Edwards-Alaire probably hasn't lived up to the hype as a first-round pick. Yeah. Jarek McKinnon, ever since he's entered the fold, has been great in the passing game. I, I wonder just how much they're going to use him. Like I, I think they really like what Pacheco has given them on the ground, and they've gone to that multi-running back system where Jarek McKinnon have, has been a real part of the uh, the passing game. So it's nice for depth. It's very good, especially with the running back position taking a beating like it does, it'll be great to have some depth there. But honestly, I still kind of expect to see Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon running the one-two game.
2: Yeah, they've been doing really well. Pacheco's been an awesome weapon for them out of the backfield. I was checking just now to see if the line was moving any. I know that line went down from two-and-a-half to one-and-a-half. My boy was telling me, I guess, a lot of the money coming in on the Chiefs or whatnot and with guys' health being factored into things if that would continue to move the line. So that's why I wanted to look and see as well, because I know the Chiefs had a few guys uh, probably banged up as well. So that's going to be interesting. Like you said, Edwards Hilaire has had big expectations. He's had some big games every now and again. He gets people a lot in fantasy too, man. People pick him and think that he's going to be sensational, and he ends up kind of underwhelming. Yes, he has. Anyway, when we come back, we will not. Underwhelmed? I'm gonna hit you with my Black History Sports Hero or Heroes of the Day, and we'll close this thing out. Tell you what's on tap. Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio, 927 WFNZ.
1: Life is full of things to manage: your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Keycimta, Ofatumumab twenty milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different. Ask your healthcare provider about KeySympta and check out the details at KeySympta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
2: Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And it's that time for the Black History Sports Hero of the Day. And we're going to go to Philly's, one of his favorite places, NC State. Irwin Holmes. In 1958, Irwin Holmes joined NC State University's tennis team, making him one of the first black athletes at the university. He would also become the first African American to serve as captain Of an athletics team While he was there he was inducted into, into the Electrical Engineering Honor Society Edith Kappa knew In his junior year he also ran track He played intramural basketball He was the first athlete to integrate The Atlantic Coast Conference and in his Senior year he was made Co-captain as I said He was one of the first four black students Admitted as undergraduates In 1958 He would also earn the distinction of being the first black undergraduate to earn a degree graduating with a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering in 1960. He stayed involved with the university supporting NC State's Engineering Foundation and the university's minority engineering programs. The Irwin Holmes and Black Alumni Society Conference Room on the Centennial Campus was named in his honor and post NC State, also he was uh, he he worked at a few places, but settled in at IBM and did his thing there as a senior manager of computer development at IBM. He earned two patents and was a key member of the task force that led to the development of the IBM PC product line. Uh, he's also been an entrepreneur. And he developed a shopping center in Durham, started a gourmet restaurant, and developed other real estate ventures. So salute to Erwin Holmes, one of the pioneers at NC State University.
0: So in 1960, he was also included in Sports Illustrated's Faces in the Crowd feature. Do you guys remember the Faces in the Crowd feature for Sports Illustrated? I absolutely loved it. And Mm -hmm. Sports Illustrated came out with a special edition one time where they had just an entire magazine of all of the faces in the crowd that actually did something professionally or became huge stars in their sport where it was joe mauer was somebody that i can remember because he was this top-notch quarterback and so he was in the faces in the crowd for his quarterback um experience and then actually goes on to win mvp in the al playing alongside everybody with the minnesota twins so that was cool the faces in the crowd man i I mean, I don't even know if they still do that, to be honest with you. I
2: thought the last time I looked at one, they still do. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I'm with you, man. I used to always like to look in there and see that and see see where people ended up. Question around the room.
0: Were you guys big Sports Illustrated for Kids fans?
3: Yes. I loved Huge. it. Fire. Straight fire was yep.
0: SI for Kids.
3: I was too good for it. I was just a straight Sports Illustrated guy. I got Because I both. wanted the swimsuit edition. I got both. Well, and, and when that hit.
0: Got that as well, but I did have both SI for Kids uh, as well as Sports Illustrated. I loved both of them, plus the little cards that you would get. You could read the fun games. I was
2: all about it. Yeah, it was great, man. They had really cool articles and stuff that they would do too. It's kind of like Nickelodeon does now, like with the NFL stuff that they have. And uh, the Hornets had a pretty cool Sports Illustrated for Kids cover. I can't remember. I think it was LJ and Zoe that was on the front Uh, And my computer quit being so slow. Do they still do SI for kids now? I mean, is that something that goes on? I don't think that they do because I think print media is kind of taking a little bit of a lick. I don't see uh, Sports Illustrated for kids, though.
0: Okay, well, real quickly, as we're on the topic of of children, I wanted to get to your contract that you wrote out for your son. Okay. Because you put this into the group chat last night, Uh and Fiddy said— I I don't know, probably a a profanity in there, but he talked about how great it was. I did the same. Like you, you gave your kid a contract Uh to where if he fulfills a few incentives, Uh then he gets a certain amount of money or a certain amount of whatever, right? Like some some different advantages. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. So please tell us about the contract (laughs) that you gave your kid as far as it um, uh, surrounds playing basketball.
2: Well, the main incentive was to get him to block more shots. I've really been trying to get him to be more of a shot blocker. So I said, hey, he loves a toy car. So I said, the little cheap ones, that's 99 cents that he likes to buy. I said, I will tell him for every one he gets, uh, he every block he gets, he can get one. But then I said, man, let's just go all the way. So I said, I could teach him about negotiation, contracts, incentives, different stuff like that. So I wrote him up a contract, and he was all for it. He was super excited <laughs> about it. I said, we can sit down and have a signing at the table. I said, you want to sign on the table? You want to sign on this book? And he's like, no, I want to sign on the table. And I taught him about signatures and what that looks like. So I have stuff in there like every 10 points, he gets $5. Every block, he gets a dollar. Hot wheel car uh, of his choice. Uh, You know, every assist, he gets a quarter, every rebound, a quarter, things like that. And so uh, but one of the most important things, good body language and leadership, though, for the entire game, he gets a dollar. So uh, lots of different incentives in there. I have about seven or eight uh, in there. So it was pretty cool, man. He liked that a lot. So yesterday he earned uh, he earned five. $25, 25.
0: Yes. And and so what I'm interested in if he gets is is there any way that he could get 20 points and then get $10 like is there a chance that we could see some kind of expensive uh output from from your son where it's like ooh uh may, maybe if there's a benefit of the doubt as far as the <laughs> leadership maybe you just give it the other way like I'm not trying to give away all my cash.
2: Yeah, no man, I mean I'm all for it like I said we made the deal and then like I said if he fulfills stuff man I'll I'll mm-hmm. pay out. So I gave him some money uh, yesterday, and so we did the little green light thing. he has a little green light card that he has and, so I can put the money on there mm-hmm. and so uh, yeah, man, we did it like that, and then when he plays this next season, if he wanna comes back he he wants to come back to the table. And renegotiate some stuff, we can renegotiate and uh, well, draw up a new deal. Now, this is the problem,
0: right? I don't uh-huh. feel like there was any representation here. Like, he <laughs> needed to have some lawyer or agent present with him to make sure that this was a fair contract.
2: You know what? I will. I thought about that, too. I said we could have really made it for have him take it to, like, my mom or something let them read over it before – uh, before you got it.
0: That's alright, look, it's the first contract, it's fine, but just make sure now, I, I'm going, look, I'm going to serve as it right now, to be honest with you, I'm taking over and I'm saying this is only a one-year deal, there is no opt-in, he is a free agent after this contract, yeah. and if you want to have another incentive-laden contract, you need to negotiate once again, yeah. once you get done with this season. I yeah, just, I'm i trying to get him out here, getting as much money as possible, maybe we go to $7 every 10 points that he gets, His competition <laughs> right. gets harder, Right. you get older, yeah. so yeah, I mean, yeah, we're going to spin it as much as we possibly can all right let's look at what's on tap the duke blue devils taking the floor once again against miami 7 p.m tonight on espn what do you make of this game between the blue devils fresh off of their victory against a good team in the acc after they beat the tory
2: oh that's going to be a good game i'm going to trust duke to go on the road and get this victory uh the defense that they play the way they hit the boards man these kids they really get it as far as some of the more important things to get you victory. So I like Duke's defense and rebounding. I think Filipowski and crew Proctor starting to really come along. I think they get the win on the road. So a lot of people were worried about Duke, but now they beat
0: Minnesota, or excuse me, Minnesota. They beat Miami. They beat uh, Georgia Tech, but they also beat Wake Forest and then North Carolina, right? So three straight wins. If you get a win on the road against the Canes, talk about providing a little bit of a cushion. Then you go to Virginia at 4 p.m. on February 11th, and then If you lose, it's not nearly as devastating, right? So Duke kind of in – certainly in a better situation than what they were um, before this North Carolina game and even that Wake Forest win that they got. What do you think is on the line here for Duke tonight, Fiddy? Do you think the Blue Devils can get this victory?
3: I do not because winning at at Miami for them has been historically tough. There's usually that that letdown game after the Duke-Carolina game for the winner and the loser, which is why I have Carolina also losing tomorrow – to uh, West's Demon Deacon, so I mean, I think they'll go there, they'll compete, I think Derek Lively will probably get whistled for more fouls if he has eight blocks than he did on Saturday night, and I think
0: Miami wins. Uh, somebody wrote in, "Film guy said NIL just keeps getting started earlier and earlier these days, especially with that contract this is that Wes handed out to his son uh, Joey from Huntersville." Said that was a cool idea to give that contract. Yeah, I'm going go to go with. I'm going to go with uh, Duke winning this basketball game, and I I think Miami is is, is um, a good team, and they I know that they lost to Duke the first go around, 68 to 66. I just think that the Hurricanes, Jim Larinaga, doing a good job with that. Program. I think they're going to get that victory here tonight. All right, that'll do it for Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep it right here, Kyle Bailey and Smoke Ludwig taking over once again. It's the Kyle Bailey Show on 92.7 FM.